0: welcome you're about to listen to a teaching of the foursquare gospel church vgc district at foursquare we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples leaders churches and movements may your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen our theme for this month is jesus the risen savior amen Can we just repeat that? Jesus, Jesus, the risen Savior. Savior. Amen. Amen. We just thank God for this season, and we'll give him all the glory in the name of Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, we want to thank you, because this is indeed the day that you have made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. And we thank you father for what this day represents to us as christians and what it represents for the gospel and what it means for your church father we're so grateful for your love that you laid down your life for us that we may have life eternal that we may be reconciled to the father Lord, we're so grateful. And Father, as we go into your word, I just pray that you give us understanding today, that Father, you minister to our hearts, that your word will touch our hearts, and you give us understanding in the name of Jesus. And help us, Lord, to connect to the Spirit behind your word in the name of Jesus. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Let me be your oracle and your oracle alone this morning. Thank you, Lord. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. prayed. I've titled our sharing this morning, The Risen Savior. And our text is taken from Matthew chapter 28, our verse of focus is verse 6, but just to help us with some context, I'll be reading from verses 1 through to 10. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through to 10, and I'm reading from the New International Version. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Verse 5, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Verse 6, He is not here. He has risen, just as He said. Come and see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clapped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Praise the Lord. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus is one of the central truths. Of the gospel. In fact, the, the the gospel of salvation that we preach is centered around that, and is so cardinal to it. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ defines the gospel, and the basis for our belief and faith as believers. And that's why today is significant, and the events of this day that happened over 2,000 years ago, or about that, is significant to us as believers. So this morning, as I look at the risen Savior, I'll look at it under two broad subheadings, namely, resurrection, key to the Christian faith, and then resurrection, our reality. As I think of Resurrection, the key to our Christian faith. You know, one of the first things that come to my mind is is the fact that our Lord Jesus is a promise keeper. He is a promise keeper. Now, that gives me great comfort. You know, when you deal with someone who is a promise keeper, it means that whatever he says you can hold on to. And whatever promise he gives, he will deliver on that promise. And this is very important. And these are the things that we hold on to. Our faith is built on it. And it's good that on a day like this, that we are reminded and we remind ourselves that the God that we serve is a promise keeper. You know, and the events of this day, it reminds us, too, that the things that happened on this day is a fulfillment of a promise that the Lord has made. And it's gratifying to know that he promised and he fulfilled that promise. That first promise was, look, he promised that he would lay down his life. You know, in John 10:17 and 18, he says, look, why the Father loves me is that I lay down my life. He goes on further to say that, look, he does that of his own accord. And because he promised, he honored his word. And I think that should rekindle great hope in us as believers that we serve a God who keeps his promises. We serve a God who has exalted his word. And he promised that look, I lay down my life. And as you look back at the account of his crucifixion, his trial, his crucifixion, and the resurrection. Now I recall that the 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 the, the high priest and some of the teachers looked at him and said he saved others but he can't save himself now that was what they said to him he saved others but can't save himself in mark 15:31 you know the chief priests were saying this but you see the paradox in that is this, that they said that in order to mock the Lord Jesus. But it's interesting to note that the Lord Jesus in not saving himself was actually still saving others. Amen? That in not saving himself, he was saving others. Not because he was not capable of saving himself but because he has made a promise and that promise must be honored amen so 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 the lord jesus would not save himself so that you and i can be saved because he could have saved himself but by choice he didn't because if he did the foundation of our christian faith would have been lost the foundation of our Christian faith would have been lost. But he didn't, and he delivered on his promise. It's interesting to see when he was before Pilate, you know, Pilate kept putting pressure on him. Pilate said, look, look at all the accusations that have been levied against you. What do you have to say? And Jesus Refuse to speak. It's instructive. You know, as I think through this, you know, he refused to speak. I was just imagining that if I've been brought to trial and I've been given the opportunity to present my side of the case, you can be sure that I'll be quick to present my own side. So I can establish my vindication. But Jesus refused to speak. I'm sure you wonder why. If he had spoken, he probably would have set himself free. Because he would have made a strong case. He was innocent anyway. But again, that would have been it that would truncate this process. So he didn't speak. It's also interesting to see that they also gave him a drink, wine mixed with the mare, and he refused to take it because he needed to experience and to go through the travails of that moment with every consciousness. So he refused to speak. He refused to drink. And come to think of it too that Jesus could have refused to die even hanging there on the tree. You know that's possible? He could have. But we're told that he willingly gave up the spirit. And goes back to confirm that I lay down my life of my own accord. That's a promise fulfilled. And then it takes us to the next promise. That he will rise from the dead. And that promise too was fulfilled. Because we saw the empty tomb. We saw the empty tomb. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. That's another promise fulfilled. And what that tells us is that we can be confident that he would accomplish all that he has promised. If there's any promise that the Lord Jesus has made, Those promises are yea and amen. And that's why I encourage us to appropriate those promises. To appropriate them. They are real and they are promises that the Lord will fulfill. When he makes a promise, he fulfills. So when he tells you that, look, I go to prepare a place for you. It's real. And we must look forward to it. We must look forward to spending time with Jesus in heaven. I know that there are events that we need to go through before we go to heaven, and sometimes we don't like talking about it. But our reality is that he's going to prepare a place for for us. And if we love him, at the end of our time here, we must be ready to spend time and eternity with him. So when he makes promises, he keeps them. When he was living, he said, Look, I will send you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he fulfilled that promise. And you look back at your life, you see the many promises that the Lord has fulfilled in your life. So he is a promise keeper. So as you think of Easter, I want you to remember that we serve a God. That is a promise keeper. He is a ruler of God's eternal kingdom. Jesus' bodily resurrection shows us that the living Christ is ruler of God's eternal kingdom. He is not a false prophet. He is not an imposter. He is a ruler. He is the king of kings. So you and I serve the Lord of lords. And as you think of Easter, if you are here with us, and peradventure you have never given your life to Christ, there can be no other one to entrust your life to but the Lord Jesus. Because he is and he remains the ruler of God's eternal kingdom. And he says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If you hear me and you open, I would come in and I would dine with you. The Lord is is eager to establish a relationship with you. And there can be no better time to open up and begin that relationship with our Lord Jesus than a time and on a day like this as we celebrate Easter. Then the third point is his resurrection is evidence that death is not the end. Amen? Amen. That what? That death is not the end. It's not the end for us as believers. We can be certain of our own resurrection because he was resurrected. Death is not the end. There is a future life. There is eternity ahead of us, and then again, the power that brought Christ to life is available to us. You know, the power that brought Christ back to life. When Brother Chris was leading praises, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, that I may know Him. Yes, that I may know Him. And his power. And his power. And his power of resurrection. And his power. And his power. And his power of resurrection. And his power. That I may know him, yes, that I may know him, and his power, and his power, and his power of resurrection, and his power, and his power. And his power of resurrection. The power that brought Jesus back to life is available to us to bring our spiritually dead self back to life. It's important to know that power. Power to resurrect any undesirable death in our lives. Are there things that are dead in our lives? That power is here and it's available to resurrect that undesirable death in whatever area of our lives. I pray that the Lord will help us to understand that power that brought Jesus back to life and the fact that that power is available to you and I. Is there a situation in our lives, in our spiritual lives, is there a deadness in our prayer life? Are we experiencing a decline in our relationship and work with God? This is the season for revival. It's a time for resurrection. Is a time to experience that power that brought Jesus back to life. As you begin to speak to those situations in your life and ask that the Lord will revive and resurrect every death, every undesirable death situation in your lives. I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. It's also a guarantee. It guarantees the efficacy of his redemptive death. It guarantees the efficacy of his redemptive death. The fact that he rose again, the fact that he's risen, guarantees the fact that the purpose of resurrection is to redeem you and I, and the fact that that event happened seals it. Guarantees that you and I, as we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, would enjoy the work of redemption. Romans six four to five, we were therefore buried with Him through baptism into. Death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen says, And if Christ has not been raised your faith is futile you are still in your sins but it goes on in verse 20 to say but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for since death came through a man the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man it is it is a joy to see that we have this guarantee. And that's the difference between Christianity and all other religions. They don't give you that guarantee. No other religion will give you a guarantee of redemption. Only Christ. And only Christianity. Life in Christ. And then finally, the resurrection is the basis for our Christian witness. It's the basis for our Christian witness. So as we go out to witness, all we are saying, our message is centered around the fact that Jesus came to this world. He was crucified, died, buried, and on the third day, he rose again. That's our message. That's our message. And that remains and continues to be our message to the world. And then, as I look at resurrection and reality, I will just round up with that, and I will look at the four messages that the, angels, that the angel gave to the women at the tomb. The four messages that he gave them. The very first one, as we look at uh, Matthew 28, verse 6, it's instructive to see that the angel started by telling them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And I was just, as I read through this passage over and over again, yes, the women were terrified. The women who went to the tomb on the first Easter Sunday, the very first Easter Sunday, were terribly frightened by what, either by what they found. Or by what they did not find. Are you following me? Sometimes I was wondering, why were they so terrified? Were they terrified by the fact that they did not see Jesus? Or were they terrified, you know, why were they terrified? But were told that they were terrified. And the angel, the very first thing he said to them was, look, do not be afraid. And you see, the angel said these words to the women at the tomb. But I also know that the Lord is saying the same thing to many of us today. I don't know what situation you find yourself, but the Lord is saying, do not be afraid, either for what you cannot find or what you have found. You know, sometimes we we get afraid. Jesus told them that, look, yes, he will die, but he will rise again on the third day. They came to the tomb. They saw that Jesus was not there. He had risen. Yet they were what? Afraid. Whatever is the cause of your fear, the Lord is saying to you today, do not be afraid. But again, as you go further down, you see that even though the angel had said to them, do not be afraid, you see in verse 8, you know, he says, so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. You know, I kept wondering, so you have fear on one side and then you also have great joy. How do these two mix? You know? He says, so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and what? Great joy. So what's the cause of the fear? What's the cause of the joy? Joy over victory? that Jesus had risen and perhaps fear of the unknown fear of uncertainty are you faced with a situation that makes you both afraid and joyous the Lord is saying don't be afraid you may be joyous that you have found Christ yet afraid at the thought of making it through to the end The Lord is saying, do not be afraid. By his grace, you will finish well. By his grace, you will make it to the end. Are you praying for a future partner? And now you have found one. And that makes you joyous. But the uncertainty of a future in marriage fills you with fear. The Lord is saying to you, do not be afraid. Scenarios that will give us a mix of these two fear and joy. Are you worried over your child, your son or daughter who has been offered admission and is going to the university? On one hand, you are joyous, on the other hand, you are worried that he's going into an environment. You are worried about the uncertainties and you are afraid that what will happen to his Christian faith? What is going to happen to him? The Lord is saying to you, don't be afraid. Is he going even into a far country? And you are wondering, he's so far away from you. I can't reach him when I need to reach him. Do not be afraid. So many situations that will present to us joy and sometimes fear. I was just thinking back as I was coming to church this morning and I asked my wife, I said, so this time last year, what was happening? Unfortunately, she was not even here, so she couldn't tell me immediately what was happening. But you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic, lockdown. But look at our situation today, miles away from what it was last year. This same time last year, did we know that this would be our lot today? There was so much uncertainty. And we're happy that the Lord has helped us, that the Lord has kept us. We're joyous. That even COVID-19, the Lord has given us victory over it. There are all kinds of solutions now. You even have vaccines. But in the midst of this joy, some people are afraid of even the vaccine. So on one hand, there is joy. On the other hand, there is uh, fear. And what is the Lord saying? Do not be afraid. And it's instructive to see that when the Lord Jesus met these women again, his first word to them was, do not be afraid. You know, the events of that period were profound events. They were, they were events that they had never seen before. You know? But fortunately, God understands When uh, spiritual matters invade the safety of our world, he offers help to overcome our fears and deal with whatever has come our way. For Mary and Mary Magdalene, he sent an angel to comfort and enlighten them about the reality of Christ's resurrection. He also sent an angel to Joseph the earthly father of Jesus when he was troubled by his fiance's miraculous pregnancy. In addition to angels, God's help has included other people, dramatic and even miraculous demonstration of his power, direct promises, and the enormous comfort of his word. This helps show that God appreciates the impact of spiritual light suddenly shining in a dark world. He helps us overcome the shock not only of what he has spoken but that he has even spoken at all. The Lord is always there and available to help us. The reality of the resurrection should bring us joy, not fear. Whenever you are afraid, Remember the empty tomb because Jesus has arisen. We have no cause to fear. And then the second thing that the angel said to the women was that Jesus is not dead, Jesus is not dead. He is what? He's alive, He's not here, He's alive, He is risen. So Jesus is not dead; he's not to be looked for among the dead. He is alive. He is risen. Our Lord is risen. He is alive, and because he's alive, he's always with you and I. His presence is with us, and we have no cause to be afraid. And then the angel goes on. The third thing he said to them was, "Come and see." He wanted them to see the real evidence. The women could check the evidence themselves. He wanted them to see, and they looked and saw that Jesus was not there. Come and see. The stone was rolled away by the angel. Not that Jesus might escape. The stone was not rolled away so that Jesus would escape but that witnesses might see the evidence of an empty tomb. And it's important that we remember this so that you and I will constantly know that the God that we serve is risen and that that tomb is empty. The tomb was empty then and it is empty today and continues to be empty The resurrection is a historical fact. And then finally the angel said to them, go quickly and tell the disciples. Go quickly and tell the disciples. They were to spread the joy of the resurrection. Go quickly and tell. That's evangelism. Go. We too are to spread the great news about Jesus' resurrection. It's not just for us to see the evidence. It's not just for us to experience it in our lives. What the Lord is also telling us is that we should go quickly. And don't forget that quickly. There is a sense of urgency around this. And Tell. And that's the message, that's the command to us that we too are to spread the great news about Jesus' resurrection. So as we celebrate Easter, I want us to know that the Lord is also telling us that we should go and do what? Tell others that Jesus is a risen Savior, that Jesus has arisen, that the tomb is empty, and that the work of redemption is complete. We have an obligation to present the gospel. We have an obligation to to, to the dying world to let them know that Christ came to this world to die for their sins, that they be reconciled to God. We have a personal duty and obligation to discharge. No one is exempt from this. No one is exempt. No believer is exempt from this responsibility. We have this duty to share this great news. Whoever will listen, we must be ready and available to tell them. We must program ourselves in a way that sharing this great news is important to us is at the top of the priority of our items and I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus name and as you know as, and as I think of this and I think of the real special role that women play they were the very first that the angels met and told to go quickly and tell and on the way Our Lord Jesus also met them and reaffirmed it. I just want to encourage our sisters today that you have a special role to play in getting this great news out. I thank God for the sisters who come out for evangelism in this church. I want to encourage many more. You were the first carriers of this news. And you will continue to be carriers of the great news in Jesus' name. I want to encourage and challenge our FWI to come up with evangelistic programs. Programs that will help our sisters to get this great news out to other women and perhaps even men. And this is not to exonerate the men or to say that they have a secondary role in getting this great news out. They also have a primary responsibility both to show and provide leadership in getting the gospel out. We all have been called out to go quickly and tell others of this great news. I pray that the Lord will help us, and I pray that the Lord will give us the enablement in the name of Jesus. The resurrection sends a strong message to us, whether as believers or as those yet to give their lives to Christ. Whichever class you fall into, the message is strong and is profound. The challenge for us, and the question would always remain, what will be our response to his message? I want us to bow our heads and let us pray. What is your response to the message of resurrection. Jesus, our risen Savior, he has arisen. The tomb is empty. How do you respond to this message? Is anyone here with us on site? Or online with us? And you have not at any time given your life to Christ. The message of the resurrection has not made any meaning to your life. You have a unique opportunity today to begin to build a love relationship with the risen Savior, a relationship that is real and personal. You have a unique opportunity. ...of becoming a beneficiary of the redemptive work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to invite anyone here today. or next... ...you want to ask that the Lord Jesus come into your life. This is your chance. You want to give your life to Christ. Just signify by raising up your hands. And if you are online, just stretch your hands towards your device and begin to ask that the Lord will have mercy on you. Ask that the Lord will forgive you your sins. If you are here with us, stretch your hands as you begin to pray. Ask that the Lord will forgive you your sins. Ask and tell the Lord that you want to be a beneficiary of his work of redemption, that he paid such a high price for, he gave his life. He suffered on the way to Calvary. All the humiliation, pain. He was crucified with thieves. He died and was buried. Ask that the Lord will forgive you. And ask that the Lord will come into your life. Father, we just want to thank you for today. We want to magnify you. We want to thank you, Lord, for the redemptive work that you completed at Resurrection lord we thank you for your love for us that you laid down your life for us thank you eternal rock of ages and as many as have decided to give their lives to you today just as you have promised that you will come into their lives and you become the lord and master of their lives I pray, Lord, that Father, you would establish that relationship with them. And as they leave the world to cling to you, they will not go back to the world again in the name of Jesus. And they will be beneficiaries of your work of redemption. The rest of us, Lord, help us to connect to our realities based on the resurrection help us lord not to be afraid to acknowledge you at all times as the king of kings and to be alive to our obligation to go quickly and to tell others this great news that Christ has arisen help us lord let our lives tell the story let our lives Carry the good news and let our mouth proclaim this great news. Help us, eternal rock of ages. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.